So I want to invite to our pulpit Rabbi Emmanuel Terohacker. Welcome. Shabbat Shalom. I've asked him to share his story of coming to faith and then also his journey into the roots of his faith. I thought that's always a good place to start with someone that's new to us. So uh, I've heard part of his story. I love it. Amen. It's a great story. And, um, you know, we, we, I told him, I said, you know, you get about 30 minutes. He about passed out. Yeah. Cause he, nor <laughs> he normally has an hour and a half. Yeah. And then I working on it. That's right. That's right. And then I have to like work on not coveting because I told my story with an hour and a half and then over the years it was like an hour and then 45 minutes and now it's down. It's like, but I have a, other teaching venues that I get my chance to teach in. So, yeah. So bless you, my brother. I love you. Shabbat Shalom to everybody. Shabbat Shalom to everybody. Amen. Uh, you'll find out um, I came from an old school Pentecostal church, so may still have some of the mannerisms, not sure. But um, I, it is a, a pleasure for me to be up here. Um, up here is a little weird. If, if you know me, I, I'm, I don't never preach from up here. I like to be among the people, and sometimes I tend to walk around. And uh, since COVID, you know, with um, now having to use a camera, which I'm not used to either, and I'm glad I don't see them because there's so many lights. So I don't know where the cameras are, so I could pretend that it doesn't exist. But my son said, you got to stay up there. You know, you can't go downstairs. Don't go down. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to work on it. But uh, it, it, it really was a pleasure. Uh, like uh, Pastor said, um, we come from New Jersey. Um, so, yeah, woo, woo, woo. Anybody from New Jersey? Nobody? Nobody? My, just my son? Okay. <laughs> Hopefully there'll come a few more. Amen. But um, we, we come from New Jersey, and, uh, you know, it, it has been a struggle for us. You know, uh, my son is the oldest among our household. We have three kids, me and my wife, my lovely wife, as um, Pastor already announced. Um, uh, Robertson, Claudia, Claudia. She's giving me the eye saying, don't put me on the spot. Don't make me stand up. Uh, uh, she's the type that doesn't want to be in the spotlight. Amen. So, so if she wouldn't mind coming. <laughs> um, so, and I have my youngest son, Adonaya. We call him Nye. My daughter, Ariana, is still at home. Uh, she had some things that she had to deal with. And um, obviously, you guys know my oldest, Anthony. Amen. And um, so Anthony was the first one to leave the home, obviously. So for us, uh, stressing, he kept on going west. The first spot he went to was Ohio, and we're from New Jersey, so we're east, and we're like, that's kind of far, you know? Like, we were kind of hoping it would be in PA somewhere where we can at least travel maybe an hour, hour and two minutes. You know, we didn't really want to go into three. And uh, he said, we're going to go to, I'm going to go to Ohio. So now we're stressing who's in Ohio, what congregations. There was obviously one congregation we knew of from uh, Rabbi Wolf, 
Um, and we're like, okay, we'll try to get closer to that congregation because at least it's messianic. And, and he's like, well, I got to be in this place. And then he told us a uh, year after, I'm moving again. So we're like excited. Me and my wife were like, oh, he's coming back home. He's coming back home. And then he said, no, we're going to, I'm going to Colorado. We're like, I don't even know where that's at. Like, come on. Like, what is over there? And um, so we were a, a little disheartened from that, and obviously we didn't know any communities here. So we were stressing of that, and anyone that has any kids that left out of your house, you know, you're worried, you know. You're trusting in the Lord. You're trusting that the seeds that were planted, you're trusting that everything you did and even the mistakes that you made still work for good. So you're, you're, you're thinking about those things. Are, are, are they going to stay in the faith? Are they going to be challenged? Are they going to be, because now your parents are not there, your family's not there, your community's not there. So obviously we were praying for him to find a community down here. And he mentioned of the harvest. And we didn't know who you were, but my wife definitely is good on Google. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, you know, so she started checking some things out and started telling us about what it is, Messianic and everything. And again, he came and started talking about the community, the people he, that's loving on him, how they're embracing him. And um, to me, that, that matters the most because we've been to communities where it's not a community. It's just a place to go to to hear a preaching and sing a couple songs. But a community is very different. It's a mishpocha. It's a family. Amen? And that's what he said he found here. But, again, we were still concerned because we didn't know. We didn't know what was taught. We didn't, you know, you could only find so much online. But it's really coming alongside of a person and realizing Google don't have all the answers. Dr. Google, as they say, they don't have all the answers. They'll tell you information, public information, but that's as far as you can go. So coming here was a big step for us. We were worried. We were like, okay. And this was one of the first times we've ever stayed with uh, a, a pastor friend of ours. So we were like, okay, how is this going to work? We're, maybe our lifestyles are different. I don't know. But the Lord knows how to work things out when there is mishpacha, when there is family. And we felt warm. Welcome from the very beginning. And if you know me, I'm very much into food. Um, so the food won me over real quick. You know, there was some spicy food, and I was a little concerned about that because I don't necessarily do spicy, but it was very delicious. I ate some things that I've never ate before, uh, egg souffle. Some of y'all probably know what that is, but it was delicious. I was even trying to convince her. I said, just stay with eggs. It's okay. I'm very simple. And she made the egg souffle, and I'm actually very grateful of that. But, um, but that being said, I do have 30 minutes. I don't know how much I used of it on now, so, you know, I want to keep an eye on this. Uh, normally, 30 minutes is my warm-up. So I, I hope you don't mind. I, I got to warm up into it because anywhere, even in my own community, I, I, I still get nervous, still get the butterflies. So, um, so if you see nerves or anything, give me grace. Amen? Can, can I hear everybody say, I'll give you grace? I'll give you grace. Amen? Well, um, I want to start with two verses. Pastor asked me to give my testimony, and I, I, I had to talk with my wife again because my wife is like my journal. She reminds me of all the good nuggets that I lived and all the things that I probably didn't write down and I should have written it down, but she has it in memory. So uh, all husbands, let us thank God for our wonderful wives. My brother's like, yes. <laughs> you know, the scripture says, if you have a wife, you have a good thing. Amen. So 
I want to take you to two verses. And um, the first one is in Matthew's chapter 10. Think, 34 and 35, think not that I am come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. For I have come to send, set a man at adversity against his father and the daughter against her mother and the daughter-in-law and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Verse 36, and a man's foe shall be there from their own household. And the next verse I want to go to is, what is it, Romans 10? Well, I, I, I don't have the verse, but um, it says, and this one is my favorite, and y'all guys are very familiar with it. Um, I have to repeat it to myself very frequently. All things work for good for those who love the Lord and are called according to his purposes. Um, some may wonder, why, why would you start off with Matthews 10? As I'm going to give you my testimony, um, like some of you, our life has not been easy. Um, I was actually born and raised in the city of Camden, New Jersey. Some of you may know, some of you may not. Uh, when I was young, for many years, just before I continue, how far could I walk away from this? <laughs> Pretty much here? All right, I got to work on this. So, all right, all right. You know, it starts with discipline, right? So, um, born and raised in the city of Camden, uh, some people may have heard, when I was young, we were number one in crimes and violence for many years, many years um, in the United States. And some would say, how could a city so small be compared to New York or Philadelphia? And I don't know what kind of crime places are down here, but um, because of our size, it was more problematic. But I had a mother that prayed uh, my family came from a Pentecostal background, Spanish Pentecostal. Now, I've been to some English-speaking Pentecostals, but the Spanish Pentecostals are, are very charismatic as well as very dogmatic as well as very strict. I remember my first views of pastors. They would sit up on the, on the altar, and they had chairs there, and the pastor would sit there, and he would always have this face and always look serious. And those were my first images of what a pastor would look like, as well as a man of God. I was not that type. I mean, I, I, I was more serious than many of the kids my age, but at the same time, I wasn't that serious. I didn't want to be that serious. I felt that was restrictive. But that was the standard, and I felt I could never reach it, especially through my background. Um, but as, as I said, in a Pentecostal background, very strict, very dogmatic. My mother was raised up and she was old school Pentecostal and, um, it was very interesting and we did not have an easy home, uh, because my father was a professional boxer, professional boxer. 
you know, and I, I rarely go into this, but I want to, I'm only mentioning it for the sake of continuing on. My father was a professional boxer, but he had his issues. And while I was young, he obviously has some abusive tendencies, all right? So there was times where my mother would go to church and she would be wearing shades, amen? So if you see someone wearing thick shades in the congregation and it's not sunny, you're wondering why? Pull them aside and ask them, is everything okay? Unfortunately, when we were in church, many of them avoided. Many assumed they knew, but they stepped aside. But again, this was our faith. You had to work through it. We were taught if you're broke and you're poor, this is, this is the way to go. If you're being abused, you got to fight through it, and you just got to gotta suck up anything that goes on. But we were not equipped to really deal with life's issues, life consequences. And much of us that were young, such as myself, I mean, we found other avenues, that's where, unfortunately, addictions, drugs, and stuff like that would happen in the lives of young people. So as a young Pentecostal, I was raised up learning the ways and, and learning the mannerisms and how to talk, the, ling the religious lingos. And, uh, you know, you learn all of those things when you're raised up in the church. You learn how to say amen and, and praise the Lord and all these things before you even know how to walk. So we st I started learning how to play the role, you can say, how to play the religious game. But I wanted a real relationship with the Lord. But my examples were too extreme for me. My examples was too far for me to reach. The idea of holiness, every time I heard that word, I just pictured someone that is extremely mature, that is extremely serious, that has a lifestyle that's all together, no issues. And this was something that I figured I was not going to be able to live. I, it made it more difficult for me to want to get closer to the Lord. So as I started to grow up, my mother would pray for us. I could recall one day that we were living in the city and um, there was a skinheads that lived probably like seven blocks from us. And me and my brother was walking with my mother and we found, well, my brother found the tennis ball. And unfortunately, in it had drugs. And my brother took it, picked it up, and brought it to the house. And we we're like, well, you know, we're just thinking it's going to be a game. And all of a sudden, our house was surrounded by skinheads that was threatening to harm us. And my father, as a boxer, ran outside and started yelling and wanting to fight physically. He wanted to deal with the battle physically. My mother, on the other hand, grabbed all of us real quickly threw us on the floor in the living room and started to pray. And we're still like trying to look at my father like, Where, what's going on? And she's like, pray, pray. And I'm just wondering, like, in the midst of all of this, my mother is calling us to pray. And I'm like, this is not a moment to pray. This is a moment to call the cops. We need an army. We need to figure something out. And none of that my mom was doing. My mom was just there praying and praying. And leaves us to say, they even threatened to blow up our house. And in the midst of that, they walked away and said, we're leaving. And they left and never came back. I know it wasn't my father, because they could have easily outpowered him. It was the prayer of my mother. It was the prayer of my family. Now, I'm going into this. This was not what I was going to go to, but I, I want to set a scene that the life that I came out of and my family came out of was not an easy life. Mine's. Amen. And living that I had to learn prayer 
is an answer. But again, I was still struggling with many things. So I started to seek the Lord, started to get more serious. I started to become a teenager. By the age of 14, everybody was getting baptized. So I waited till I was 16, and I just felt like if I don't get baptized right now, everybody's going to think that I'm a sinner. So it wasn't that I wanted to get baptized. It was just the fact that I was becoming the oldest one. So I told my pastor, and I said, I'm ready to get baptized. I went and got baptized. And from that moment on, I wanted to actually live for the Lord, minister and serve. But there was still something missing in my walk. There was still a confusion. I, I still didn't know the Lord well enough in relationship. I knew about him. I knew the stories. I, I knew Abraham. I could identify with it and, and connect. But I, I still felt like something was missing. And I was still having to go to school, still having to deal with the problems and the issues society was trying to put on us. Um, my mother, which I didn't say this earlier, my mother is Puerto Rican from Puerto Rico. Amen. We got some Ricans in the house of Latinos. And my, my father, born in Florida, but um, I'm still trying to figure this one out. But from, my family comes from Nigeria. So uh, at least that's the story my father told me. <laughs> But that being said, either way, I mixed Puerto Rican and black, but I was raised up in my Spanish culture with my mother. My father was there a portion of the time, and that's all I knew, Spanish churches, Spanish music. I, was, I just didn't know the English side. My father took me a few times to a Baptist church he would visit, and I, I always felt weird because I was so accustomed to my Spanish culture. But with this being said, my mother was raising, up, raising us up in the way. And as I started seeking and I started praying, by the time that I met my wife, she was Catholic. And uh, she was one of those Catholics that would go on holidays. Um, she would say that she's not, she wasn't observant in any way, but there was moments that she would go. But that was her background. Mine was Pentecostal. And a few years, about two years before I met my wife, um, I, by this time, I'm a teenager. I'm thinking I'm preaching and I'm winning souls and I'm thinking I'm good. My pastor takes us to uh, evangelize the streets. So I go and my pastor says, all right, go in groups of twos. And I'm like, all right, we're good. But once my pastor leaves, I'm like, look, 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 you could go over there. I'm going to go over here and we're both going to win more souls that way. Like if we're together, we're going to skip some people. That was really not my motivation. My motivation was I wanted to challenge myself thinking I could win more and bring them to the pastor and say, Pastor, look how many souls I've won. Well, God had to humble me. Needless to say, I was probably 17 at the time, and I was walking down the street again in a rough neighborhood, but I was born and raised there, so I didn't care. But then there was about like five different, five teenagers walking towards me, much bigger, much stronger. And I actually got afraid. I actually crossed the street. Ooh. So I was actually very nervous. And at that moment, I started to realize leaning on myself and depending on myself was not going to get me to the place that I needed to be. I was not spiritual enough. I wasn't leaning on God enough. I realized I was leaning on my own self thinking that I was smart enough, thinking I knew enough Bible, thinking that, you know, the young people would look at me and say, oh, Manny, which they used to call me, Emmanuel, would, would have all the answers. And, and I realized I didn't. I was still really struggling. I was still looking for the Lord, and I wanted answers. 
Um, well, me and my wife meet each other. Oh, thank you. My son is like, all right, you got a few more minutes. Um, me and my wife, I met my wife at this church, and two years before I got there, I visited with uh, the son of a pastor. He asked me to go there and minister. I played the trumpet, and I went there, and I started to play. Well, in that process, I realized the church was a Sabbath-keeping place. They spoke differently. They talked about different things. They referred to God by a different name. I was completely confused, and I felt these people are crazy. I don't know who they are, what they are, but I'm going to have to convert this church. So I went to the front, and I started to play, and my mind is ready to start converting. Well, needless to say, one of the members, a good friend of mine, still to today, she got the spirit, and she was one of them that when she got the spirit, she would throw her elbows back. I'm here playing a trumpet. Trumpet's a metal piece. And she literally hit my trumpet that it went into my teeth, my mouth, and I couldn't play. I couldn't talk. I was sore. I was embarrassed above all, and I had to sit down. I try to play, but I had to sit down. And I realized there, again, I was coming with the wrong attitude. And at that moment, I decided I'm going to challenge these people. I would go upstairs and, and would deal with debating scriptures, and I would try to convince my wife. I thought she wasn't my wife at the time. She was my girlfriend, and I was going to the church just to visit her. That's it. I wasn't going to the church. I was just trying to visit her. I went her over. But most importantly, I thought I was going to win her from the church, from the gospel. And I tried and tried. She was studying. She was convicted. And I'm like, I know I'm going to win this girl over because there's no way she's going to stay in this religion. She's got to come to the Pentecostal church with me. You know, and I try to use every biblical argument. Well, the scripture says cleave to your wife and the husband. And the, the, I tried every argument. It didn't work. My wife came to me when we finally decided she got baptized. She finally decided, okay, it, we need to decide if we're going to go forward or not. And she said, I need you to understand I am not moving. I am not moving. You need to determine if you're going to marry me. We're either going to, I'm not going to push you to leave the Pentecostal church, but we're going to be a divided home. I'm going to be eating kosher, you're, you're going to be eating pork. I'm going to be celebrating the feast days, you're going to be celebrating Christmas, Easter, and everything else. She said, and we're not going to succeed. That really forced me to ask the question, what is wrong with this woman? <laughs> because obviously I knew the word, right? You, again, I, I was arrogant. Biblically, uh, she must be wrong. She's talking about Shabbat. That doesn't even exist in the scriptures. She's talking about kosher. That was done away. She's talking about feast days and celebration. I don't even know what young people, what? I don't even know what she's talking about. Obviously, I have to win her over. But what I did at the end, I went to the Lord, frustrated, angry. I wanted to marry her. I, cared, I loved her by this time. And I wanted it to work out, but I understood we were different. And... I went to the Lord with that answer. Lord, I need help because I can't win her over. I can't convince her. I've been trying. I've been debating with her members, their leadership, and I'm not getting nowhere. I'm not succeeding. If there's any truth to this, I need you to reveal it now. So the Lord came and little by little first started with the Shabbat. I start, he started showing me in the scripture, Shabbat, the seventh day, the day of rest, and the commandments. And I'm like, I've been saying I've been keeping the command, Ten Commandments forever. And I'm like, wait a minute, you're saying that I forgot one? How could I forget one? I know them all. And I was forgetting one. And the Lord started through there and started teaching me. But alongside, my wife was there studying and helping me alongside and showing me some things that I didn't know. And that's where my transformation started to go. At least where I recognized it. So at that point, 
my wife and I got married and we started going to this congregation, the very one she was in. I decided, okay, can't win them, must join them. So, uh, you know, I even tried to convince her, let's go to another Sabbath, keep your congregation together. But I, we started going there and started to raise up my family. And that's where I started learning about kosher, feast days, Shabbats, all of these things that I didn't know before. And the reality is after a few years, me and my wife left there and started uh, fellowshipping at a home fellowship. Now, I'm trying to rush because I got, what, seven more minutes? All right. So, 10, uh, 5. So, so, in that process, in the house, there was a friend of mine that was already a Messianic Jew. And me and him just kept clashing. He talked about seat seats. He talked about Israel. He talked, and I'm like, dude, like this, that don't matter no more. I still had an anti-Semitic replacement theology mindset. It didn't fully change. I was keeping Shabbat feast days, but I was like, they lost their opportunity. They're not going to, they're not going to, now I got it. We got it. We got the promises. We got this. We got that. But they lost it all. And this is the approach I was coming in. This young man's trying to convince me, and literally, we're arguing to the point that we were going to fight. Like, I was just waiting for one more word so we could fight. That was my flesh talking. You know, it was the flesh. It, was, it, was, it wasn't me. It was the flesh. So at that point, he came in one of those moments and said, why is it that you keep focus on, on our differences and not on our similarities? Well, I said, all right, fine. Show me what you need to put the word, the Bible. Don't give me no extra books. Show me the word. And he started one by one by one. At the end, I'm like, oh, fine. I'll wear these seed seats. I'll get the tali, but I ain't wearing a kippah. Like, I ain't wearing one of those little hat thingies, you know. I'm not about that. And uh, he said, well, that's what they do in the, in, in the synagogues. You can't minister without it and et cetera. Like, oh, I don't care. We'll have to figure out another way. Well, when I finally decided to order my talit and tzitzis, my wife ordered it. I didn't order a kippah. And what happened was a kippah came with it. So I'm like, okay, Lord, fine. If you want me to wear this, I'll wear it. I started to wear it. And in my life, it was a benefit. I came across Jews I was able to witness without having to argue about certain things. Um, and it was a beautiful process for me. But then I go to the same man and said, look, I'm wearing a kippah because God sent it. He's like, oh, that, they do that in every time you order a, a, a talit. That's nothing. I'm like, you're the very one trying to teach me. And lean is to say, we've ordered talits from there, from Israel, from everywhere. I've never received another kippah in any of them. Not once. Lord is real. The Lord knows how to respond in the way that you need him to respond. Now, so in this process, I was convicted. I went back to the next day. It was about to be Shavuot if I, or Sukkot, Shavuot, right? And I went back to the home fellowship with my talit, my CCs, and now my kippah. I'm like, look, they'll understand. They didn't understand. Became angry, violent, argumentative. And then they started picking things out of the air, and I'm like, furious why are you attacking me when we've been talking about visiting messianic communities and keeping the feast days in shabbat why are you attacking me i realized because now i embraced more of what god was calling me to that was now a threat to them although i really was not a threat to them we had to leave and this was 2005 at 2005 i ended up going to beth yeshua not beth yeshua i'm sorry beth emmanuel in uh, bustleton pa and that's where me and my family got healed. We got restored. We started to learn about the culture of Israel, identifying, being grafted in, and all these wonderful things that I did not know before. Well, I went into the sanctuary, um, and when I went to the Oneg room, 
I stood there. Now I'm, I'm cutting it a little bit. My wife is probably like, you, you're, you're missing the spots. But I went into the Oneg room, and I was with my wife, and I said, I was here before. I was here before. She's like, we've never been here before. Because months later, before, we were visiting, trying to find other congregations, Messianic. We went to a reform synagogue. They didn't let me say Yeshua there. I mean, the rabbi came like, you're welcome, but you say that name again, we're going to have to kick you out. Like, oh, Lord, like I'm being attacked, but I'm just trying to fit in. So when we found Beth Emanuel, I realized something was familiar of this place. I couldn't figure out what, what, what it was. But I was praying along, God, if this is real, I need you to confirm it because I feel alone. Even the one that talked to me about it seems like he's not fully in agreement with me coming to the synagogue. And the people I was fellowshipping with, they're saying I'm wrong in becoming a Judaized or Judaizers. And I'm feeling by myself, my family is looking at me like, oh, now you're becoming a Jew and you're crazy. And nobody was willing to embrace us. But we were convicted that the Lord called us to that place. I needed supernatural confirmation. Well, when I went into the Oneg room, I told my wife, I know this place. I've been here before, but I can't figure out how. And I'm thinking it was a dream. Well, what happened? Years before when I was 16, 17, the church I was going to, the pastor, she was very much into Israel. She had made us do Passovers, and I didn't know what it was, but I knew that time of the, in the year, she would put out a table with these things and some nasty relish thingies and egg, and, and I'm like, Lord, like, I don't want to do this again. Like, why she has to keep doing this every year? I don't know the purpose of it. She would blow the shofar. She would talk about stories when she came out of Israel. And I'm like, this is not working out. Well, she took us as a field trip to a congregation. All I remembered their name was Emmanuel because that was my name. I walked through the door of that place. I was confused. I, I seen people with, with what I call blankets on their heads, little the plates on their heads and dancing some weird dances and talking some different language. I know Spanish and English. That language was not one of them. So, and it, it was just so weird. And again, I was a Puerto Rican young man, Pentecostal, thinking I knew it all. They're wrong. They're evil. This is demonic. They're probably doing some witchcraft or something like that. So I blew it out of my mind. Well, needless to say, when I went back to the church, God flooded me with that memory. I brought you to this place before so that when you come with your family, you will know this was my doing. It wasn't you that figured out to find this congregation. It wasn't you that figured out about the Sabbath. It wasn't you that figured about this type of eating, this dances. It was I who brought you years before, but he didn't stop there. My pastor was a Pentecostal pastor that I was born and raised in, Coldero, and I remember specifically one day he started to preach, and then he said, look, if you invite me to the ho your house, do not give me pork. Do not give me pork because I'm not going to eat it. Now, what Puerto Rican is not going to eat benin? I was like, I'm going to have to take his Puerto Rican card away. That's that. I think that's blasphemy. Por Puerto Rican pork is the best. Well, my mother couldn't remember. I've talked to so many people, including him. Nobody remembers that moment, but I remembered it like if it was yesterday. And I said, why would this guy reject pork? Years later, again, God reminded me, I was trying to prepare you for the transitions you was going to go through because I realized I was not going to be able to go through it on my own. 
to close, because I know I'm probably passing my time, I want you to understand with the verses that I read to you, all things work for good for the Lord, for those who are called according to his purposes, and the one about that God, Yeshua came to bring a sword between your family. As you start making transitions and trying to get closer to the, the Lord, especially when it comes to Shabbats, feast days, etc., you're going to be coming across oppositions. People are going to challenge you, say you're crazy, your background is going to come up, they're going to say you're not Jewish, or you're not this, or you don't know enough, or you got to go to Yeshiva for five years, go to Israel for another five years. They're going to try to discredit you. But let me tell you, God will always put um, breadcrumbs in your path so that you can look back and say, it wasn't me. I didn't make this transition. I wasn't the one that figured it out. It was the Lord himself. And now I can trust in what he has called me to do. So... Ooh, 30 minutes. That was good. <laughs> Shabbat shalom to all of you. Thank you for the opportunity. <laughs>